Um, am, I, am I good on this end right here? Okay. Uh, so, praise God for the retreat. Yeah. It was a blessing for me just to spend time getting to know you guys. And uh, just even, it's a privilege. This are, for me, this is strange, right? It's strange. And, and there's things about it that are clunky. But there's things about it that are absolutely seamless. And, and coming into this position, the thing that I feel above anything else is privilege, right? Privilege to, to step in to where Dan stood. And that means so much to me. That means a lot to me. So uh, we just need to keep praying for God's grace over this ministry as we, as we move forward as a team. Now, a lot of you guys uh, weren't here for the retreat. You, you weren't available to go. Maybe you had to work or you had other things holding you up uh, that kept you from coming and being with us. But it was a great time. And you did miss out. We're not mad at you about that. Uh, all of the audio will be online. Uh, and, and you'll be able to listen to those messages and get on the same page so that we all have the same heartbeat as we move forward. So I really encourage you this week to spend some time uh, and listening to that audio. Um, we are going to take some time right now, though, to do some testimonies and allow people to share a little bit before I actually get into Romans chapter 1. So if you want to flip there and have your finger in Romans, we're going to, we're going to exposit Romans uh, over the next six years. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Following, following in the footsteps, right? No. Um, so I, I want to... Uh, Ask Brooke to come up, and as I, I do that, she's going to share it this morning. As I do that, I want to also uh, honor Blade. Where are you sitting at, Blade? This is your week, last week, doing worship, right? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, man, we should all be really proud of what God's doing in Blade's life and, and how... He's transplanting him and moving him out to Lee Summit. And what Lee Summit gets in Blade is, uh, is awesome, is awesome. And we know that uh, as he continues to follow the Lord, they'll never want for a worship leader in Lee Summit. That will not be a problem with it. So thank you for your heart. Love you, dude. Um, Brooke, come on up. And this is going, right? So we're rolling. Okay. I thought I did that. I'm going to need a podium here. I'll try not to preach too much. Um, <laughs> okay, guys. There's a lot of you. Last time I was up here, I think I called the microphone a microwave. So maybe this time I'll be a little bit less nervous. Um, so <laughs> uh, retreat was really awesome. Um, and it was cool just seeing how... Um, so retreat was kind of like a like a sandwich. Like God was showing me stuff before retreat that he just like super confirmed during retreat. And then Sam just said it again before we came here this morning. So <laughs> thank you, Uriah. Yeah. I was waiting for that. I love these things. Um, <laughs> so, so a couple of things that God's been showing me. The first thing is... Um, is the need for having a ministry focus. Thank you. Is that good? Yes. Um, <laughs> so with that, uh, something that Brandon talked about was having a, being confident in the calling that God gives you. And this is something that, like, 
God's been kind of showing me just in my time with the Word and in different conversations, like even my small group girls, there was a night of small group where like almost every single one of my girls was like, I just feel like I'm so busy in ministry and it's almost a burden now. And there wasn't like a, I don't know, a clear focus or a clear direction of of our ministry because we were we were playing church kind of, and um, and so um, I don't know. It was just cool. Like um, Brandon was talking about how, or the Holy Spirit was talking about how, when you you do the work and then the clarity will come. And a passage that God gave me um, in the last few weeks that I've just kind of been chewing on is in uh, the book of Amos. It says in chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. And then during retreat, I was reading in the book of Zechariah, and uh, and there's another passage that came up, and... um, Zechariah is kind of confusing still to me because it's like super prophetic, but God used this passage um, to kind of compare with that passage in Amos. It says uh, in chapter 13, And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophet shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied. Neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive, but he shall say, I am no prophet. I am an husbandman, for man taught me to keep the cattle from my youth. And it was just interesting looking at those two passages and God giving me that at retreat in the midst of Brandon sharing his heart for the vision for Kaya and um, and just seeing that you know if I'm confident in the calling that God's given me then I'll be like Amos and I'll be like you know I was following or yeah following the flock and then God told me specifically go and do this and I can have confidence in that as opposed to those false prophets that are talked about in Zechariah that are saying um, I'm ashamed of my vision because they know it's not from God, you know. Um, so that was the first thing, and then the the second thing, which is just what that that calling is, what God's been showing me so much and hitting hard is, I need to be someone that evangelizes, and um, like, I know that God has like given me a huge heart for discipleship and for mentoring and like reaching out to the ladies and Kaya and in the high school class even some, and. Um, but I know that I have a lack of evangelism. Like, at work, people know I'm a Christian, but what I want them to know is Jesus, not that I'm a Christian. <laughs> and uh, and so, I don't know, just that question that was asked at retreat, are you a willful witness? And um, that's something that God's been just kind of hitting hard on me. Like, I know that I'm supposed to do the work within the body, but what am I doing for the Lord outside of the body? Like, how am I bringing people in? Because those are the people that are you know, poor and wretched and naked and miserable and they don't have the love of Christ and so I want to see those people, my friends my, pray for me I work with all middle aged men because I work in an engineering firm so I think God gives me wisdom on that but that they would be here praising God, so that's kind of like a big thing Hey guys, I'm Joel, if you don't know me. Um, I just want to read two verses, um, Acts 14, 19 and 20. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch 
in Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Um, and when I first was at the retreat, when I first went there that day, um, I was talking to people um, about their week before they started. Uh, and it seemed like the common theme was, I'm busy. Um, I'm overwhelmed. Um, I'm stressed. Um, and that's how I was. Um, and hearing this passage, um, hearing the, the faithfulness um, and the uh, just how devoted Paul was um, to be stoned um, and then to rise up the next day and go preach his name again. Um, and it made me think about me dealing with stress um, and how I could pass up an opportunity with uh, someone in my class um, or someone I work with because I'm stressed about homework (laughs) or I'm stressed about, um, you know, how I've been sinning um, or how I feel um, if I'm feeling far from God, uh, that I can't be used. Um, (laughs) And it does not matter how you feel um, or how you sin or where you are in life, um, God wants to use you. Um, and it made me think um, of my testimony and how I'm here um, today um, and how the people that went to my life. Um, and it made me sad. Um, it made me yearn. I want to be um, a person that arrives in someone's life uh, that God can use. Um, that, you know, just to tell someone that they're loved. Um, you know, not to pass that up. Um, and the Lord also showed me uh, to live out my faith. Um, to devote time to church. To um, give Him my life. Um, not just to come to Sundays. Um, Not just to feel good because I spent a weekend um, in Arkansas. Um, But, you know, to become serious about my small groups. Um, To take my discipleship uh, seriously. Um, Not just to do it because I can um, or get knowledge. But to understand the significance of learning his word um, and then being able to become a discipler. Um, That's what I want. I want to be used by God. Uh, I want to be used in church. Uh, And I hope that we all hold each other accountable to that. Um, And I hope I get held accountable to that because I suck. (laughs) Um, And I know in a couple days I'll be stressing about something else. Um, But to know that I could fall in the word uh, and to fall to the body of Christ um, and to get up. Um, because our burden is light. Um, I guarantee none of you have experienced being stoned. So, um, uh, <laughs>
<laughs> I love you guys. Okay, so there was a time there was a time whenever I was on that hiking trail alone out there walking back to the group just praying that I would find you all. <laughs> Cuz you're you're on the edge of a cliff somewhere. And so I was trying to find you. But uh you know I you know I was like this is kind of silly to fret about this small thing. Um I was reading about Elijah when God told him to go down by a brook and God would sustain him and feed him uh, by ravens. And he would just drink from the brook and be lowly and meek, you know. And uh, God spoke to me through that passage coupled with uh, the preaching. And, um, and then on that trail, I picked up my phone and I looked at, you know, where I was in the reading and it's in First Kings, uh, I don't want to take too much time to say this, but I feel like kind of forgetting what I was going to say. Um, but in First Kings uh, 19, uh, Elijah finds himself in a place where he was alone, uh, trying to be oblivious to the fact that God wanted to use him. And, you know, I think sometimes I come across as, like, oblivious, but I can just end up in this place where, because life, some things hurt, I kind of want to be, because I know the more in tune that I am, the more afflictions come. But it's a really good thing, because that's God's way of conforming us to Christ's image. And so, you know, by God's grace, I don't want to be oblivious or try to be oblivious. Um, God sustained Elijah and he was so gracious, even whenever he was out there, he slept under a juniper tree, and he told him to uh, arise and eat. And um, in verse 6 of First Kings 19, um, it says, And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink, and he laid him down again. But, you know, God just kept feeding him in verse 8, um, uh, it says he went uh, in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. And eventually, you know, he just confesses to God, like, you know, I feel alone. Like, I'm kind of struggling with feeling lonely, even though life has been great for Elijah. He was an evangelist. Um, I could relate to that. Um, I know God has, has used my life, but somehow I find myself in a place where I feel alone. Um, but... Uh, you know, God, God picks him up and he tells him uh, to keep going. In verse 12, okay, I guess in verse uh, 11, there's a strong wind, uh, wind that rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still small voice. Um, and God says, what have you been doing here? 
Um, and he confesses, which I can't really relate, but he's, he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I don't, I don't feel like I've not been very jealous for the, for the Lord, but I want to be. Um, and, um, and then this morning, it was a still small voice. I woke up and I saw God preach his word in power, you know, through Dan. Because whenever you preach, you know, I, I hear your life. I just, you know, so praise, praise to God. Um, the, the man is like the message. Like if you have a message to tell and it's important, it's about salvation. Like you have to be that man, you know. And, and so, and then in Dan, I have, uh, praise God, uh, a discipler that, that I'm seeing like, like Elijah and Elisha. Like he's going and I think I'm staying here, and we're asking God to double the ministry for His glory, and um, because because God multiplies, that's what He does. So, um, and in First uh, Timothy, is it First Timothy two uh, verse? No, it's Second Timothy two, verse five. I'm sorry, no four, verse five. Okay, it's Second Timothy. This is why I'm not. Here all the time. Second Timothy four, <laughs> verse five. No, it's actually other things like um, godliness and stuff like that. So you know, okay. So Second Timothy four, five. But watch thou in all things. So I don't get to be oblivious. Um, watch thou in all things. You know, in verse two it says, "Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering." And there's a time when people don't want to hear, so they turn aside. And then verse 4, um, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. So it's in this context. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. And when I woke up, I'm telling you, that phrase, do the work of an evangelist, just popped into my head. And that's what God directly spoke to me uh, at the retreat was, Blake, I mean, it actually came out of Brandon's mouth while he was preaching. Blake, I'll tell you what God's telling you to do. Do the work. And so I don't have to wonder about the vision or anything. I just need to do the work. Uh, but watch out in all things. Endure afflictions. And afflictions are good because then that's what makes you the evangelist. When it looks like there's a problem, but God is keeping you afloat because he already said he saved me when I was a child and I've struggled with that throughout my life thinking maybe I need to I need to to please God he's already pleased with his son Jesus and I'm in the boat it's already prepared and he's created me under these good works which he before ordained that I should walk in them and so the the ark that we're building it's like an edifying it's like the body of Christ is already edified. We don't need to do like extra ministries of edification. I need to evangelize. I don't need to have an edification ministry. God's spirit, God's word is enough for that. He will edify the body as I obey and be an evangelist. And that's what he was telling me through Ephesians 4, 2 Timothy 4, 5. Um, I'm always looking to have a brother have coffee with me. Or I want to edify somebody with his word. And sometimes it's motives of like, I'm saying too much, I know. But I mean, <laughs> but edification ministry is really something that God does. I need to focus on doing the work of, the, of an evangelist. And then make full proof of thy ministry. 
Um, I have something to prove, but that's not like that I'm a man. It's not that I'm the child of God. It's, um, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's something that God does. And whenever he proves that ministry, there will be saved people behind me going into heaven with me. And that's, that's how God has been encouraging me and making that load. It's so light because I, I, all I have to do is trust and obey. Uh, and I praise God for his still, small voice. God absolutely used the preaching this week. But he also, just whenever I woke up this morning, um, he just gave me this verse. So I thank him for it. I love you guys. Please hold me accountable by praying for me and by reminding me whenever I start drifting or trying to be oblivious, or even trying to act oblivious, remind me that I don't get, I don't have that right. share this morning, but I was asked just to give an update, everything that happened this weekend, um, and just what God is doing through that. So first, thank you so much um, for praying for my family. You guys are God's mercy to us, and I've seen that in an amazing way, and not just this weekend, but multiple times before. Um, You know, some time back, Um, Andrew rallied FOI to pray for my dad and he had a medical crisis as well that was threatening to take his life and my dad got saved through that and if you knew my dad you knew how big of a miracle that is and my sister is in the same place um, this weekend she almost did die and at the time that you know everything happened she was in a restaurant that was in a church there's some ladies there who saw her you know struggling and they prayed for her And then during her surgery, we were at retreat and, you know, Dan and all you guys were praying for us and, you know, she made it through that surgery successfully. So I'm just amazed at how God has put everybody to pray for her. And he did the same thing with my dad and we're praying for her to get saved. But it's just amazing because Dan was preaching through um, 2 Peter 1 and just how we're supposed to go through trials. They're not supposed to shake us. Um, we should have that temperance and that patience and, and, and God was instructing me through that in a very practical way um, and also just talking about the body of Christ, about how we don't have to go through this alone. I really felt that and I don't know how I could have experienced that you know, in a more practical way. Um, my sister and I and our family, so I'm, I'm very thankful um, and God's just been driving those points home just about the body of Christ and temperance not being shaken by the storm not being of little faith, um, I really trust that God is going to use this to, to reach out to my sister. She has a roommate who is saved, who is um, asking us to pray for her to have an open door. My sister is one of those people who beat you down if you try and share the gospel with her. Um, but her roommate has been very burdened for her for a long time, and m- my sister is very, very shaken. Um, she knew how serious this was, and she's at a place where she can receive it where her heart is soft and um, this is an answer to prayer because two weeks ago when Sam asked us to get up and pray for our families I I mentioned my brother and my sister and this is her being sick is an absolute answer to prayer Um, so um, you know if you guys can pray for my sister's roommate to share 
to have an open door to share the gospel. And, you know, with that, um, it's just a demonstration of how, you know, when you're burdened for the people around you, um, there are other people praying for them. There are other people, their family members are very burdened for them, and you're the person that God has sent to share with them. We're thousands of, mi- of miles away from my sister, but her roommate is right there, um, a, a strong Christian who has been burdened for her for a long time. And it's the same thing with, with all of us. When you're burdened for the people around but you that you work with, that you know, that you interact with, you're the person that God has sent. So that's just an example to me and of everything that you know we were learning this weekend. And I wasn't prepared to say anything, but, but thank you guys for praying. Thank you for letting God use you to show us mercy and to show us love. And um, you guys are amazing. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Um, let's pray for the Bichagi family before I, I share a quick testimony. Um, Jeanette also uh, mentioned to me that uh, her sister, Mora, uh, has agreed to, to read the Bible with Jeanette. So that's a huge answer to prayer because, as, as you already heard from uh, Linda, that she's always very hard in terms of not doing that. So for her to uh, open up and say, hey, I, I'll, I'll read the Bible with you over the phone, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, so praise God for that. So let's pray, and then I'll, I'll just share a, a quick testimony. Uh, Father, we, we thank you so much, uh, Lord, for answering prayer. Lord, just in a short period of time, Lord, we were in retreat, and we got to um, pray, and God, we immediately, in, in, in hours, if you will, uh, we see you answer in a big way. And God, I, I believe with all my heart, Lord, you preserve her life uh, and we, because we pray. And not only you did that, God, you allowed, uh, Lord, her heart to be softened. Uh, Lord, that now she agrees, Lord, to um, read the Bible and not only just to read the Bible, uh, but also to read it with, with Jeanette, Lord, who I know is trusting the Lord uh, along with Jeanette, uh, Linda and, and their family. Uh, Lord, for her to, to have uh, real healing full healing, which is uh, Lord's salvation. So God, we pray as a class, we pray for her salvation. Uh, Lord, would you use this occasion, Lord, to save her. Lord, I've seen you do this multiple times in my family. And uh, Lord, I've I seen it, Lord, with their dad. And Lord, right now we're trusting uh, for their sister. And at the same time, God, I pray for our class. Every one of us have family members who are not saved. And God, I pray that you would give each and every one of us a, a burden for our own family, Lord. Uh, a burden, Lord, that says that we need to act upon that faith and say, I got to share it. Otherwise, who else? Lord, give us that burden to share our faith, the reason, the hope that lies within us with our family members. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, so... You know, I was just sharing with Amanda as I was walking in, um, in terms of just the retreat, it's probably one of the best retreat I, I've been in with Kaya. You know, the whole thing uh, was just so spirit-led. Uh, the, the praise was just awesome. I, I sensed the presence of the Lord was there, and it was just a freedom to, to praise. Uh, there is just... Um, yeah, just hearts are softened.
people are responding. I see people praising uh, the preaching. I mean, I have six, seven pages full of notes. You know, just wow. Just so many, many good things. And I'm still kind of, you know, working through it. You know, there's so many good points uh, on that. And uh, one of the things that coming into um, the retreat was just, you know, uh, you know, praying for the retreat, but also praying for uh, our leaders, our up-and-coming leaders. That was a big thing uh, for me because uh, in FOI, uh, we, are, we are growing uh, in a big way, and we, we are growing from three uh, small groups now to five small groups, yes. you know. And so um, I'm praying for our leaders. I have a burden for our leaders, and I, and I, I, I you know, and, and it was awesome because I get to uh, talk to many of our, uh, our leaders in FOI and just to hear the heart and just praying for them. And what is so cool in, in our retreat is we're seeing just the result of real discipleship with Dan and Brandon, you know, and their life preach really hard, isn't it? I mean, you can talk about discipleship and, and, and some of you are discipling, but how much of that is real discipleship? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you really transferring life, spiritual maturity to that person? Is that person actually following you as you follow Christ, you know? Am I being an example to that person so that the person can see a living example of discipleship? You know, so I see, I, and, and, and their preaching, uh, man, just speaks, not just their preaching, but their life speaks so much. And this is over 15 years. And, and, and you know, and the transition is so seamless. It's just like, you know, my, I love Dan, uh, just, I, you know, since he told me about him leaving, you know, my heart just, mm, it's a, you know, like, it hurts, you know, and, but I always see him, I'm like, man, thank God for six years with Dan, thank God for six years with Dan, and, but at the same time, it was, it was very seamless to transition to Brandon, because, uh, you know, it's the same thing, and, and my heart, I just feel knitted uh, to Brandon, and uh, it, was, it was very similar. So the first thing is just discipleship, to see real discipleship happening, you know, and we have that witness. We have that witness. And so for me, it's just uh, a charge for me to, to be an example, uh, to, to really trust God for real discipleship. So 10 years, 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, man, I can see, man, people still following the Lord. You know, and, and, and I'm encouraging every one of us to evaluate. I mean, are we really discipling people? Are, are people really looking up to you as a mentor? Or are we just transferring knowledge, right? So that's the first thing. The, the, the second thing uh, was actually kind of uh, on, on a more funny side. So uh, I don't know what is a stroke of genius that Dan uh, had us do the, 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 the game. So <laughs> at, the, at the very end. And uh, it was just very funny. I don't know whether you guys noticed, but, you know, he was just uh, finishing his preaching on the seven blocks uh, of, of, of faith and talks about brotherly kindness and, and charity. And then the next thing we, we're doing <laughs> is just like shoving and kicking and 
and, and taunting, I was amped up, you know, I was like super competitive, you know, I want to win this thing. And, and it was just like, uh, you know, through that, I, I, I think of the, the seven blocks of building uh, the, 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 of faith, and I want to read a verse to you. Uh, it is from First Peter uh, uh, chapter 1. Eight, one am I going? Uh, sorry. Second Peter chapter 1 uh, and verse 10. Okay, so this is, this is in the context of the building blocks of faith, right? Uh, so, so let me just read that for those who, who, don't, who weren't there. Um, uh, let's see here. Okay, so verse, I'll start with verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they may make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And here's the key. Uh, verse 10, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. And I was like, just thinking, you know, did you catch that? Did we catch that? Right? During the retreat, these building blocks of faith. Then just hand it to us. Like, you know, and I was thinking in a game, you know, I was just looking next, and I'm like, I, I saw a strategy that would work for our team, right? And uh, man, I'm applying it immediately. I'm not wasting time. <laughs> it worked great. We won the last one, you know? And uh, anyway, anyway. So <laughs> we won first two. Yeah. 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 But. You know, but it's uh, oh, finishing strong. There you go, there you go. That's all we're keeping. But but doing it, you know, where 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 is the missing part? Where is the missing part? What what are the building blocks that's missing in my life? Do it, apply it. You know, otherwise, man, this retreat will be in vain. You know, again, man, this is free to copy. It's it's there. He already handed it to us. We need to apply it. Amen. So that's that's good preaching, and we could stop there, but we're not. So turn to Romans. We're gonna do it. Let's let's pray, and uh, and then we'll get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you have been gracious to us this weekend, and uh, you've shown us things that we don't deserve to see. And your word uh, applies to our lives in, in a way that we don't uh, fully grasp all the time. So, so God, make us diligent. Uh, make us searchers and studiers. Make us devoted. And God, I believe that the outcome, the doing, uh, will result in development and growth. And uh, Lord, more importantly, uh, addition of souls to your kingdom that they might also grow. Um, Make us about that work. 
and, uh, and, and use Romans as we begin Romans uh, to shape us and to remind us in particular of how powerful your gospel was in our lives and how powerful it can be in the lives of other people. Uh, what we wield in terms of a, of a sword uh, and, and what we hold in terms of your gospel and your story uh, is the most powerful thing uh, in the world. And yet we hide it under a bushel. And, and yet we tuck it away as something that we do in our bedroom uh, or at our kitchen table or something we do at church. Forgive us of that. Bolster us through your word. In your son's name. Amen. Okay, Romans chapter 1. Let's give it some context. Okay, this is the, this is the part that could be boring. I don't think it is. But, but uh, we're going to figure out why Romans. Okay, this morning. We're going to figure out why we're going to be studying Romans. Of all the books that could have been uh, chosen from, why we're going this direction. First of all, the letter was written by Paul from Corinth in 56 A.D. 56 A.D. Um, at this time, uh, Paul had been doing ministry uh, and traveling around for about 10 years, around the Aegean Sea, and he'd been moving and shaking up places like Macedonia and uh, other Roman provinces. And he'd been doing the work of an evangelist and as a discipler. And he had brought men along with him, and they were doing the work, and they were traveling. And about this point, when he writes this letter, 56 AD is the, is the approximation uh, of when it was written, he was ready to move in to Rome, and he was ready to do some work there, and he had his eyes set on a new field. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we move forward. The letter was carried to Christians at Rome by a deaconess named Phoebe, and we'll see that a little bit later on in, in the letter. This is Paul's longest letter, so it might take us six years. We'll see. It's also his probably, probably his most dense letter. Okay, arguably the most dense in terms of the content, uh, we could spend a lot of time here. We could spend a lot, a lot of time here and pull amazing doctrine and amazing inspiration from it. Uh, now, at this point, it's really interesting that Paul had never actually been to Rome. At no point had he ever actually visited Rome. And obviously, all of the places he'd been were Roman uh, provinces and colonies, and Rome was established everywhere that he'd been, but he'd never actually been called to, to Rome at this point. And the letter is kind of going before him. It's kind of going ahead of him before he, he prepares himself to go there. There had been numerous teams of evangelists that had come to, to Rome before, before Paul. There have been lots of ch churches established. If we look at chapter 16, and we look at... Uh, I'm going to let you stay with me, however you see fit. I won't be checking in. Taylor, you just do your thing. Um, but the churches, uh, in, in chapter 16, it tells us that several churches had been established in Rome. Okay, so there's little groups of people that are meeting in homes, and, and they're meeting in different places, and the church is being established, and it's beginning to grow, and there's really neat things that are happening. And Paul had determined that he was going to go and visit Jerusalem. Okay, he's going to take a, a small hiatus there in Jerusalem. Then he was going to go to Rome before he went on to Spain. His, his goal was to go to Spain and invest there, okay, in what we know now as Southern Europe. And uh, his hope is to go and, and establish some doctrines that the Romans had struggled with at this point. Okay, so let's talk about the themes of Romans real quick. The first one is salvation itself. He talks a ton about the gospel in this letter, and we'll come back to that. The letter was, was written to expound on the nature of the gospel, faith in Jesus Christ, 
and its implications for how the Christian lives, what righteousness looks like lived out, which is what we all want, right? We want to live out the righteousness of the gospel. We want to live a life that's reflective of what Christ has done in us. And I think that's crucial as we move forward. Now, another one that's a little bit stickier that he addresses, another theme that he addresses, is this, is this issue uh, of the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. And it's one of the most important things that kind of is sprinkled out. He addresses it very specifically at times, and then he also sprinkles it throughout the letter overall. And it's significant that he addresses this because right as the church in Rome was beginning to be established, probably in about the 40s, 45 up into the 50s through 56, there's a lot of things that happened in Rome uh, proper. Uh, the, the Jewish people had been expelled in about 54, or I'm sorry, not 54, in about, I think it was about 50 by Emperor Claudius. They've been expelled out of the area. In other words, in Rome, the Jewish people were uh, proving to be a bit of a handful, and the emperor wasn't having it. He didn't like all of the, the discord between the, the Christians and the Jews. There was a lot of contention between the people. And so what Claudius did is he said, I want all the Jews out, which can you even imagine? Like, I mean, we've had things like that happen, uh, you know, you know in, in Russia, uh, the recently displaced a whole people group. Um, there's there's w- just weird things that a government can do. And it's hard to imagine this happening. Can you imagine, uh, you know, the president saying that he wants an entire city to be, you know, a, a certain people group to be expelled from the city? It's a pretty amazing thought. And so all the Jewish people had to leave Rome, right? Um, but in 54, Nero, like just as right as the, isn't that interesting how Satan works too? So right as the church is being established, things are being worked out. There's a lot of affliction. There's a lot of things that are going on that Satan is trying to disperse the people. And then God ends up using it to his benefit. We'll get to that later. But when the Jews were allowed back in Rome in AD uh, AD 54 by Nero, uh, conflicts arose between the established Gentile churches. Right. So while the Jews were gone, the Gentiles had begun to establish churches. And they began to get stronger, and then all of a sudden the Jewish people come back in, and they have to figure out what that means between these two different groups of people. What does it mean to work together? What does it mean to be unified, and should we even be unified? And from reading it, it appears that many of the Gentiles struggled to understand the nature of who the Jews were, and, and they even began to adopt what we would call now a replacement theology. You guys familiar with that term? Right? And it's, it's common, uh, it's very common in, in covenant theology, okay? It's really common in Calvinist theology, in Reformed theology. And so what that basically means is, well, the church replaced the Jews. Okay? So tough luck, Jewish people. Uh, you killed the Christ. It's your fault. You messed up. And, uh, and God has abandoned you, and he's divorced himself from you, and now it's our turn. And that's a very, very dangerous theology that affects even the way that you see the end times and the urgency of the times that we live in. It's very, very dangerous. And, and the Gentiles, this early group of Christians in Rome, were in danger of adopting a wrong perspective on the Jewish people. And Paul very clearly mends that issue in this letter. And we're going to look at that. The letter also addresses many other things. Uh, how God reaches those in the world that don't have the gospel. Okay? How, how, have you guys ever thought about, like... What about the, the, the places in the world where there aren't missionaries? How does God reach those people? Paul addresses that. How God views and deals with worldliness and immorality. What does he do? How does he address it when, when people become reprobate in their thinking? 
Uh, how faith in Christ empowers the believer to re- live a righteous life. What does it mean to have true faith? And how, does, how should it be exercised in our lives? How should it be lived out? He talks about how the Holy Spirit assists us in this endeavor. How the Holy Spirit prompts us to live righteously. How to live righteously in community with other believers. He addresses how to have proper unity among one another, especially in light of contention, disagreement. How do we come together? How to live righteously in a secular society. I think that that applies, doesn't it? How do we view our government? How do we see ourselves in light of, of mandates and, and, and legislation uh, that would oppress us or, 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 or seek to put us down? How do we respond in light of those things? How to live righteously with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The book is rich with content. But why are we studying it is the question. Why, why this book for Kaya now? That, that's a good question. And over the last couple of months, um, I've agonized about this a little bit. I've asked some of you to pray for me. Uh, and it wasn't easy uh, as I worked towards deciding to teach this book. And it's a huge commitment. You know, whenever you're deciding to teach a book, it's a huge commitment. Because you know you're going to spend really a long time studying that book and devoting your time to that teaching. And you want to know that it's right, that it's the right prescription for the time that the people are in. You know, as a shepherd, you want to be able to, to, to apply the truth that's necessary for challenging us in the right way. And so God's guidance is absolutely required, and I believe that he led me here. And, and let me explain why. Because up to this point, Dan's vision has been accomplished. That's a hard thing, you know, that's a hard thing to come, to come to a conclusion on because we love Dan so much. And obviously, if Dan was still here a year from now and he was still your pastor, God would use him, right? But that's not what God decided to do. Right? So what God had for Dan, as far as Kaya goes, he's accomplished that. And let me explain to you, if you didn't catch it over the last, how many years have you been doing this? Eight years? Okay, over the last eight years, some of you have been here for two years, one year, six months, five years, okay, wherever, whatever. If you didn't catch it, this is what Dan did. Dan was used to instill a heart of discipleship in you. Dan was used to show you what it means to be so obsessed with the word of God that the only outcome is leadership development. And so as, as I look at you guys, I can tell, I can see, as I watch you, as, I, as, I've, as I've looked in over the years from the high school ministry, and now that I'm here, this is what I've seen. The result has been a huge influx in leaders in this church. And you guys are equipped. Now, you're equipped at all different levels, and that's what Dan talked about over the last few days. What level you're at, I hope you're taking the time to assess how fit you are for the work of the ministry. Because some of us are very virtuous people. We're virtuous. We know the call, and we want to live it out. And to that, some of you, you've added knowledge. You've been discipled. You're doing D2. Some of you are even in LFBI, and you're getting higher-level teaching. And you've added to yourself knowledge. And some of you are very temperate. And as I look out here, I see a lot of people who are, are just now recognizing that you're able to counsel people. That you don't have to send everybody. Listen to me. I'm going to say something real quick. I'm going to say this on behalf of Dan. Um, and he's going, to, he's going to contradict me because that's the spiritual thing to do for him. So just prepare yourself. You're going to nod your head and say, no, don't, don't say that. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. Listen. Quit calling him so much. 
Some of you have made an amazing habit of leeching off of this man, and it's been great for you. But he's got a new work. And the beautiful thing is he's prepared you to counsel one another. You don't need his time. You don't need to call him at 10 o'clock at night. Now, he will answer the phone, because I know Dan. And he will not even recognize that it's 2 or 3 in the morning. And he's still talking to you. He won't, because he's oblivious in that way. If, if anyone's oblivious to time, that would be Dan. And, and he will let you do that to him. But don't do that to him. And as a matter of fact, don't do that to me. <laughs> right? Right? Amen? Yeah. I wake up way too early for you to call me. I know you're just getting up at 10 o'clock at night. But I'm going to bed at 9.30. So we might miss each other. You have to leave a voicemail. I'll call you in the morning. Okay, now listen to me. Uh, Dan has brought you to a place where many of you are equipped to counsel. But let's think about those other steps. Right? How, how many of us can say that we're patient? Like patient in the Lord. Like, we're, like I'm never going to forget Dan doing this over and over again. Remember the football stance that he kept taking like over and over again? He was like, uh, uh, grunting, beating his chest. Like that type of patience when the storm comes. Can you lean into it? Do you have the strength? Are your feet so planted in the word of God? Are you so virtuous and full of knowledge and so temperate that you can handle the storms when they come at you? Okay, now think about that list. Do you have brotherly kindness? Do you have godliness? Right? What, like, what, do you have these things? Where are you at in terms of your development? Now, I will say this. I believe that this ministry is ready and equipped to increase its capacity in terms of numbers of souls that are coming into the ministry. Because you have been equipped. Because the, the vision was accomplished in you. Because Dan, as he yielded himself to the Lord, was used to do that in your lives. And you joined him. And you did it for one another. You challenged each other. Bible study has been amazing for you guys. Are you in agreement with me? So what's that mean? It's time to be more evangelical. It's time to be more strategic about going out into the field because you are equipped to do so and to function within the vision. And over the next few weeks, I'm hoping to address this as we're preaching through Romans, as I'm meeting with people. I hope we begin to develop. I, I don't have it figured out. I don't, figure, I don't have the strategy completely down. But I have an initial vision. And God is going to begin revealing it to all of us because I don't think that these things happen in a vacuum. And I think he's already begun to do that. I think over the weekend, I watched you guys uh, as your hearts became knit together over this topic of what it means to devote our lives to the work of evangelizing and discipling people. And how is that going to look for you specifically? And we're going to figure that out. I desire with all my heart that this study in Romans will result in a greater urgency to deliver the gospel to every workplace, every college campus. Like the fact that we don't have a Bible study on every college campus in this city is, is insane to me. To call ourselves a college and young adults ministry and not be on college campuses with intention, that's kind of crazy if you think about it. What about the local coffee shops? That's a giftedness that God's given you. Coffee addiction. Right? Uh, what are you doing there when you go? I mean, I see you guys in the coffee shops with your headphones on and your face in the book. And that's a great illustration. I come into the coffee shop and I see someone in there. I mean, all, you guys all the time. You know I've seen you. At every coffee shop in the city, I've seen you guys. I'll walk in and you'll, you'll be... 
And then you go right back into it, studying, and that's a picture of where you're at in terms of your love for God's word. You know what I'd like to start seeing is you, me coming into a coffee shop and seeing you witnessing to someone. That's the difference that I'm talking about, is that there is going to be a time for you to study, but what are you going to be doing when your, your life is out and it's exposed and you're with people in the common places? What are you going to be doing? I mean, a lot of us like to open our Bible and look around, and hopefully someone's going to come and sit down with us and be like, oh, tell me how to be saved. Because you've got your Bible open, and you know what? That'll happen. That will happen. But the truth is, we've got to start opening our mouths. And we've got to make ourselves uncomfortable. Every family member, every friend that we encounter, I pray that we learn to better understand what we have in Christ through the book of Romans. And in so learning, better understand what has been entrusted to us in the Great Commission. Do you understand what you have? Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 1. You didn't think we were ever going to actually read them. <laughs> we don't have much time. Okay? I know you're ready to go. Just give me a few minutes, okay? Don't be so impatient. Okay. <laughs> Verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Okay, let's talk about this real quick. It is important that the beginning of a letter establish the authority by which it was written. Where is, what's the authority of this letter? Okay. So, the authority comes by the gospel. And it makes Paul a particular type of person. No one starts... If you were to start a letter and wrote the letter... I know you all are real spiritual with your God answer there. If you wrote the letter and you started by saying... God, a servant of Jesus Christ. That wouldn't even make sense. Paul's writing this letter. Who is Paul? The authority that he's writing under is what God is in him. He is the ensample. He is the one that, that they are called to follow. Okay? And look, look. Paul begins the majority of his letters with like words like servant. And let's talk about the importance of that. During this time, there were about 60 million slaves or bond workers in Rome. Can you believe that? 60 million slaves in Rome. So the people there would have known what a slave is. And it wouldn't have been a favorable thing to attribute to yourself. And that's quite literally what this word servant means. It means a slave in the context of that time period. An indentured servant. And so for someone to see that letter started this way should have been a shock. Should have been jarring. But, but more than invoking a dramatic effect, Paul is seeking to establish a doctrine in the very few first words of what he's saying. And this is it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own? For ye are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Slaves are bought. They're purchased. And in this case, Jesus Christ purchased Paul with his very blood. That's a high cost. I don't deserve that. That's the highest cost. I don't deserve that. Paul is not unique in his position as a slave, though. He's not the only slave. Jesus Christ has purchased every one of us that follow him 
with his blood. Everyone who claims Christ as their Lord and Savior is a slave to serve, worship, and devote our life, our time. That's who we are. And here's the question for you. Do you consider yourself a slave to Christ? Do you consider yourself a slave to Christ? Now, I mean, come on. You can't even get your head around slave. You can't. You cannot get your head around what it means to, to be a slave. To your whole life, from the moment that you wake up to the moment that you go to sleep, you are 100% obligated to meet the needs of a master. You have no idea what that's like. You know why? Because in our lives today, where you stand in 2016, you thrive on the idea that you can customize your life and orchestrate your life in such a way that every moment is filled with some form of entertainment. And you can be as comfortable as possible even when you're serving God. We make ourselves as insulated and as comfortable as possible even when we serve God. Can you imagine a slave telling his master and dictating to his master how he was going to achieve a job or a responsibility? Well, I, I'm really tired, uh, master, so I'm going to actually do this in my slippers and with my iPhone this morning because I'm just so sleepy. And can you wait just a little bit? I've got to get my morning coffee. And can you just, just give me a little time? I've got, I got to wake up and stretch a little bit, you know. And what we've done is we very practically have insulated our lives in such a way that even when we serve God, we do it in the most convenient manner possible. What kind of slave is that? What kind of slave is that? Have you stewarded the different facets of your life in such a way that make you intent on obeying the master? Have you done that? How have you orchestrated your life? Wake up, I'm almost done. Okay, we won't go much farther. I stayed up real late doing this. Isn't that how that goes? And you just get, you get nothing. I didn't, we covered just what we needed to cover, I think. Maybe that's what's going on. After a weekend like the weekend we have, we need to assess the value of what it means to be a slave for Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know it's uncomfortable to be evangelical. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable for you to speak out. But you don't get a say in the matter. You didn't, it's your fault you didn't read the fine print when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you didn't recognize that, oh, this actually makes you a slave. If you read Romans chapter 10 and you read what it means to confess Christ as Savior, there's a very important word that exists there in that doctrine that we miss. And it, oftentimes it leads us to, to say a prayer to escape hell. There's a very important word that exists in Romans chapter uh, uh, 10, verses 9 and 10. It's the word Lord, which means master. And when you signed up for salvation, you prayed a prayer of salvation, and you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do not get to surpass the fine print. You don't get to make your Christianity what you want it to be. You signed up to be a slave and a servant and a bond person, tied by chains to Jesus Christ, the living God. That's who you signed up to be. And you don't get to tell him that you don't want to be evangelical tomorrow at the coffee shop. You don't get to tell him that. Because that's what he's called you to be. He's called you to live the Great Commission. So listen to me. As we begin this book, we've only just broken the, 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 the beginning. We just pulled back the curtain. 
entering into this book, we have to determine that as we study it, we're going to do it with the eyes of a slave ready to obey the Lord Jesus Christ at any beck and call. Are you with me in that? Praise God for this weekend. Praise God for what he did. It's time to get to work. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And God, I do want to take a moment now to actually invite through prayer, Lord, uh, the people that you're working. You're working in their hearts even right now. And, and God, I pray that if there's a, a stirring in the hearts of your people this morning, that they would grab someone to pray with. That if they recognize that they are not completely committed to serving you with everything that they have, they don't recognize that they're slaves indentured to you, that they would take time this morning to remind themselves of that. That they would pray with another individual. And they would honor you the way that you should be honored as a master. Do not let us leave this morning. Do not let us put away chairs until we've dealt with the things that we need to deal with. God, help us and give us the grace to do it. Give us the honesty to know that we've spent too much time entertaining ourselves. And and, and help us to see, Lord, if we have made our Christianity convenient, show us how we've done that. Because that's not what we want. We want to be empowered for the vision and the work that you have us to do. We want to be made effective so that we can hear well done. Thou good and faithful servant. So we can hear that. We love you, Master. We love your blood. We love the cost. And it grieves us to think about it because we know it's not right. It's not fair. But you did something so unfair to yourself that you might treat us in a way that you saw as just. Thank you, God. Let us not forget that. We ask for your help in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you need to pray with someone, let's do that now. And then you can go get lunch. Fair? Amen.